0: Oh, Merry Christmas!
1: Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. The only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in
0: North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Today is our special Christmas episode, Christmas edition. Hope everyone out there is doing well. And this is a really special episode because we've done something a little bit different. Occasionally, we try to mix it up and bring you bring you different things that might, might be of interest to you. And I think mix is the right word on this particular episode. We are... On location at Old Dominic Distillery in downtown Memphis, and I have special guests here with me. First off, I have our producer Chris Isaac actually on the headset. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
3: <laughs> hey, Mike, good to be here. Thank you.
2: It's <laughs> Good to have you actually talking so much. On, the, yeah. on the episode. Also, we have two uh, two representatives from Old Dominic Distillery, and I'm going to let them uh, allow them to introduce themselves first. First, I'll, I'll go with Alex here.
4: Alex Castle. I am the Master Distiller and Senior Vice President at Old Dominic.
2: Alex, thank you for being with us. And Drew? Uh, my name is Drew Wooten.
1: I'm the bar manager here. I uh, do all the cocktails in our hospitality operation. Uh, we do have a fully operating bar. Uh, for those of you that are in town or going to be visiting, please come and see us.
2: I can attest to it being a fully operating bar. <laughs> uh, we, we so, so the idea behind this episode here... Chris Isaac had the idea. He's sort of an amateur mixologist himself, and he's going to be contributing here. But, yeah, we wanted to come down and... and have our local distillery provide us with some ideas of some cocktails that would be good for, for people during during the holiday season. And so, so that's why we're here. We have a video that's going to accompany this. So make sure you check that out. But I do want to get some introductions of our guests, l- learn a little bit more about their background and kind of what, what they do, how they came to, to Old Dominic. So Alex, I'll start with you.
4: Yeah, um, so I am actually Kentucky born and raised. Uh, kind of grew up in the, the home of bourbon and uh, fell in love with chemistry and um, physics and other maths and things like that. Decided to go into chemical engineering as a result of that. And, of course, of course. Right, I mean, it's yeah. logical, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> what 14-year-old doesn't want to do that? <laughs> and uh, at the suggestion of my mom... I did that, and she uh, told me that if I studied chemical engineering, I could be a brewmaster and make beer, or I could be a master distiller and make bourbon. Like I said, I was 14 or 15 <laughs> at the time. Well, and
3: from Kentucky, that's culture. 100% right? except
4: for my parents didn't drink when I was growing up, so really have no okay. clue where that came from. <laughs> but uh, it was a suggestion that stuck with me. Um, so went to the University of Kentucky uh, where I studied chemical engineering and actually did a co-op up there uh, with a... At the time, it was a pretty unknown company um, based in Lexington called Altec. And their main entity, their main business was animal nutrition supplements. We weren't allowed to call it animal feed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was not allowed. <laughs> and, uh, but the owner of the company was full-blooded Irishman. And so he loved beer and he loved whiskey. And so it was always his dream to have a brewery. So he bought a brewery. It was Kentucky Ale. And uh, so I spent my Fridays on my co op down there bottling beer. Um, usually went home soaked in beer from all the broken bottles. At uh, least
2: that's what you told your parents. Right. Me.
4: Yes, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no, loved it though. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And while I was there, they actually brought two stills over from Scotland and added a distillery to the brewery. And uh, my boss knew I was interested in it, and so he had me observe a distillation. And actually, instead of observing it, I ended up running it because wow. he had to take his sons to the dentist's office. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and from that point on, that was it. That's that's what I needed to do with my life. Um, so I ended up filling the first 100 or so barrels of what would become Pure Science Reserve.
2: With Pure meat. Science Reserve. Is that what Pure
4: Science saying? Pierce Lyons, okay. Pure science would have been better. I mean, that's all yeah. I'll
3: say. You got him excited there.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that's right up his that alley. Is. So Pierce Lyons was the um, founder and owner of Alltech. Um, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago, but that was that was his his desire was to have a whiskey. So of course he, he named it after himself. It's now Town Branch Bourbon is what it is. So that's, that's how I got started in distilling. Um, and then fast forward and I graduate and end up at Wild Turkey for about four years. I was a production supervisor. They had just built their new facility. Um, so I helped commission it and uh, was responsible for grains receiving through mashing, distillation um, and all of that. And was there four years responsible for first shift and third shift. Do the math. That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was an amazing four years and then uh, really didn't plan on leaving. And got a, a message on LinkedIn one day asking if I knew of anyone that would be interested in moving to Memphis. Wow. To help start a distillery, and about two days later, I sent my resume in, and been here for seven years now.
2: That's awesome. One of the challenges that I always have in this is trying to keep these episodes kind of, <laughs> kind of within yeah. the limits that what Chris wants us to. A lot of questions come to mind. So when I was younger, and this this will kind of make a Christmas tie. One of the things that I that I. On multiple Christmases, would ask for is a chemistry set. Did you ask for a chemistry set also when
4: you were? No, no you just got I, them
2: all the time. You you had them anyway. That, I, no,
4: I didn't do I didn't do science at home. Really? Yeah, it was. Oh, you strictly, missed out. I, did I? Yeah, my, right. My parents did are I? probably <laughs> thankful that I didn't get into I guarantee it. Guarantee you, they're thankful that you did.
1: My brother got a chemistry set for Christmas one time, and uh, it did not instill a love of science in either of us. Uh, he didn't like it. I tried it after that. Didn't like it. Uh, still don't like science. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not you're missing you. out too. Yeah, I right. agree. <laughs>
2: right. But no, I do kind of wonder. So I grew up in North Mississippi. It's almost a completely dry state back in that back when that was. And so I just kind of wonder if I would have grown up in in Kentucky, where bourbon is much more of a signature product of the state. I, who knows? Could have taken a different path.
4: I, growing up, whiskey wasn't really a career path that they oh, advertised. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. Even University of Kentucky now has programs. That wasn't a thing when I started. Wow. So, so it probably wouldn't have
2: changed Yeah, you're thing, probably so. right. I want to come back to that here in a minute on, the, on your career path. But, but Drew, I'll get you to introduce yourself here to us. So
1: I've been uh, in this business, uh, being hospitality or bars, for almost 30 years now. I started out in college uh, in a kitchen for a catering company. Uh, then you want to move up to front of house if you like people. I did. Uh got a job waiting tables, graduated into bartending. Now, back in the 90s, back then, uh, bartending wasn't what it is today. Uh, I did a lot of nightclub type work, uh, which was slinging drinks in plastic cups. Uh, People (laughs) didn't drink as well back then as they do now. Uh, Very loud (laughs) environments, uh, probably ruined my hearing to this day. Um, But Things were a lot different, Uh, even in the restaurants. You know, bourbon wasn't very popular then. Uh, I remember I worked at a nice restaurant in Nashville, and we had about two bourbons. I remember uh, Woodford, and I remember, you know, of course, you had Jack Daniels. But we had about 20 scotches. They were popular, oh, wow. so you had to learn about Scotch. Is this know? also
3: when martinis were popular?
1: <laughs> martinis were popular, but not an actual martini, which is vodka, or gin, and vermouth. That right. was a lemon drop martini, yeah, espresso yeah. martini, suppose. or yeah, yeah, cocktails in a martini glass. Uh, I still. People ask me, like, what kind of martinis do you have? And I say, vodka or gin. I know what they're asking, but I, I can't bring myself to right. say, <laughs> you know, I have a drink on the menu that's very similar to an espresso martini, but I put it in a different glass and I call it the coffee drink. And if somebody orders the espresso martini, I, I don't know quite what they're talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot different thing. But I've done it uh, in various capacities, moved up into management in nightclubs, you know, enjoyed that. Um, but that's exhausting. Did that for about five years and then got more into restaurants. I tried getting out of the business for a while. Did accounting for a little while. It was not uh, an altogether pleasant experience. I did it for about two and a half years. It was a family business. Right. Uh, don't want to do that again. Uh, so don't ask me to do your taxes. Uh <laughs> I used to could do it, but I'm not going to do it anymore. And I really, this is what I love doing, you know, and I worked for a wholesaler for several years. That was real similar. I sold mainly wine, but also liquor to stores, you know, which this is a perfect fit because of that, you know, Mm -hmm. I do all that. But I was working as a beverage director for a restaurant. We had two restaurants. Now they have about uh, four in town. And one of the owners called me out of the blue. I thought he was trying to sell me whiskey, left me a message. And I already decided to leave that job. I wasn't enjoying it. And when I called him back, he was offering me a job, and it, you know immediately I thought oh, I'm taking it, you know. But I didn't tell him that, you know. I wanted to negotiate a little right, bit, right? But uh, yeah, I fell into. It. I've been here about three years now. Absolutely love it. It's a great place to work. You know, we work with great people, and we have great product, and uh, it's just amazing. So,
2: Drew, you led us through the the creation of a couple of really fantastic festive drinks, holiday season drinks. That's going to be what we talk about here in just a moment, right? Alex, I want to come back to you because you're not just any distiller, any master distiller. You are, if I remember this correctly, the first female master distiller in the state of Tennessee. Is that right? That's correct. And so I have to ask you, like, you have to have some pride in that, right? We, You and I were talking before we started recording about the wildlife profession, the wildlife field being one that continues to be dominated by by men. and and I would imagine the distilling business was much the same way.
4: Absolutely. Um, women have always been a big part of the industry. We just always were behind the curtain. You didn't really hear about the contributions of women in the industry, and it was always men and who have very much been at the forefront up until recently um and just to kind of give some perspective Kentucky didn't get their first female master distiller since prohibition until 2015 wow so that's how far behind the yeah. times the industry is um and that's the same year that I came to old dominic so tennessee i guess kind of was on the same same time frame but also what people don't realize is the industry in tennessee is not that old It really isn't. Up until 2009, 2010, you could only distill in three counties. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, our industry as we know it today is just over a decade old. Okay. So, the fact that Tennessee got a female master distiller the same year as Kentucky, Tennessee is actually moving a little bit quicker.
2: So, how exciting was it? Obviously, you applied for the position uh, here as master distiller. And I mean, I I can't even begin to kind of put myself in the position of, of what a woman thinks when you're applying for a position that you know has for so many years been, uh, men have been the one to get that. But when you, when you learned that you got that position, how exciting was it? And was there a feeling of, this is about more than just me?
4: There absolutely was that feeling. It was more than just me. Now, granted, when I took the position, I didn't realize it was the first female to have that title in this state. Um, Being from Kentucky, I didn't really know much about the industry in Tennessee other than Jack Daniels. Um, But I took it because we are a family-owned company that dates back to 1866. And so really the weight that I felt was I was trying to make sure that this family's legacy was taken care of and respected. So that's actually the weight that I was carrying around. It wasn't about me. It was about this family and this very old company. And then when I learned about being the first female master distiller in the state, it just added that much more to it. But I'm absolutely happy to kind of show other women, little girls—you know, this is this is something you can do. It's not something I I thought was possible. Um, no one ever talked about it when I was growing up. So if I can can kind of show that this is something you can do, that it is an amazing industry, an amazing career opportunity. Absolutely happy to uh, to kind of do that because I I didn't have female mentors growing up, not in this industry.
2: Congratulations. Thank you for being that example for other young girls today. And like you and I were also talking, it'll be really exciting when we get to the point where this isn't an issue. It's, it, it's I'm not just as a master worth, distiller. That's right. You're just a <laughs> master right. distiller. That's the ultimate goal <laughs> yeah. where we're going to get to it. And we, and we will. And, and you're putting out some amazing products. We had to, had the privilege of trying a few of those today. And so that's where I'm going to hand it to Chris to talk with Drew about kind of what we what we tasted upstairs and kind of what's the, the holiday nature of those. So Chris, take it over.
3: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, when I initially had the idea for this show, I was like, let's, you know, last... Last year, we talked about food, and so maybe this year, we can do something about cocktails. And I immediately thought of you guys. I've been a big fan of Old Dominic for a long time. We keep a steady rotation of your different products and our shelves at home. And so today was really great. We had the opportunity to video you guys before this doing the creation of cocktails, which... You know, our, our listeners can go check they out. They
2: were really, really
1: they good. Were, they, were, they
3: were fantastic. <laughs> At least um. I was
2: told. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, none <laughs> of us drank
1: everything. It is about 6 p.m., by the way, That's right true. now. We um, started about 10 a.m., yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, maybe
3: you could just briefly walk us through that and talk a little bit about your product. You have various offerings, vodka, gin, a, a great little liqueur called Toddy, um, and then your various whiskeys that I know you you use as well in these cocktails. So why don't you just maybe some brief overview again for um, the podcast listeners and um, maybe how you came up with these drinks and inspirations.
1: Absolutely. So my my philosophy on drinks, basically, I tend to start centered around one ingredient. Uh, First thing I thought was, you know, the holidays, cranberries, which is kind of cliche, people doing cranberry sauce drinks. I didn't want to do anything just like that. So I started playing with that uh, yesterday. That's for the hot drink. Is that
2: an eight ounce can or 12 ounce?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no cans. Actual cranberries. uh, And they come out, they don't come out shaped like the bag, uh, like the can comes out, the sauce shaped like the can. So I basically decided I wanted to work with cranberries. And the first options were with uh, vodka, you know, refreshing. I wasn't thinking necessarily a hot drink. And, uh, I just didn't like them. They weren't good, uh, which I'm free to. You fail a lot more times than you succeed in making a food or drink, honestly. Um, So I basically played with the vodka, and then I I just was at a block. I took some time and did some boring paperwork and things because I was at work. And uh, finally, I decided to go center on the toddy, which really, the flavors of toddy, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's a whiskey cordial. It's flavored with clove, cinnamon, citrus, cardamom, and black pepper. Uh, it's got a little sweetness to it and it's a little lower proof. So it really is a great holiday cocktail, uh, in itself, but it's, you know, whiskey cordial. So I decided to do that and I decided to do a hot drink. Um, I knew I didn't want I knew I wanted whiskey in it as well. The first version of that had more whiskey than toddy and I had tea because I wanted a little bitterness to it and I knew I'd use heavy cream. Uh, you'll have to watch the video to see how this all turned out, but, um, I wanted it a little bitter because I knew the cream would be sweet and kind of uh, take care of some of the bitterness uh, from it. So I switched the uh, ratios and did more toddy and I incorporated the cranberry, but I added honey to it because honey and tea go fantastic. I used an Earl gray tea because uh, I want to say that's my favorite. And I know a lot about tea. Uh, That's all they had at the store. So (laughs) I used Earl gray and it was delicious, but I just wanted some strong flavored tea. Uh, but yeah, I really just started out with cranberry, and I play with it until I wow. get something I like, you know. And the second, and I want it to be hot, and I want you know, holidays you don't want to spend a lot of time making individual drinks for everybody, so it's something that translates to making a large batch of it. That hot drink I had it in my instant pot uh, because I couldn't. I evidently don't have a crock pot anymore now that I've moved over to the instant pot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but um, they're magical. My yes. wife uses it all the time. Yeah. I'm like- I've yet to use, I use the pressure cooker and the keep warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never used the yogurt setting or the multi grain <laughs> setting or <laughs> any of the other dozen that are on there. I don't know quite what they do, but it's like an expensive fancy crock pot. But uh, that you can put it in there. You could keep it in the fridge. You could drink that drink cold. Uh, it's a lot better hot. I tried it cold yesterday. Uh was okay. Much
2: better. Well, yes. well, I would just say the reason why I would say it's much better. Uh, mm-hmm. hot is because the liquid is hot and the cream is cold. Exactly. And it's the contrast of the temperature yeah. of that is just, mm-hmm. yeah, on the lips, on the tongue, it's just amazing.
1: If I put cream in a drink, whether it's a, a drink or on a drink, I like to float it on top. I don't like using the can stiff whipped cream. I put it, as you can see in the video, in a protein shaker canister. I added some powdered sugar to it. Two parts cream, one part powdered sugar. You can adjust that however you like. You could also make the beverage sweeter and the cream not sweet at all. And shake it up to where it aerates it. Uh, it doesn't. You don't want peaks. You don't want stiffness. You want it to be liquid. And then, like when you drink it, you get some of the cold cream, and then you get hit with the hot liquid. And it's just a really a so nice, nice. Yeah. combination. It's the same with an Irish coffee. And I've not added a hot drink yet this year. Um, people are starting to ask for it. I'm still serving our slushy, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, because it keeps selling. But the other drink was really a drink that. So during COVID, we weren't open full scale. The bar was closed, but we were doing tours. But you couldn't walk through production. So it was me basically doing the tour verbally. And you could also get a cocktail with it because we weren't going through everything. So we thought we'd add a cocktail. Well, I made a cocktail with the toddy. It's a toddy highball. It's on the menu. And then literally, and I made about a, a few gallons of it, enough for the weekend. And then about an hour before we opened for first tour, uh, Alex emailed me and said, hey, you can't use the toddy in a, the cocktail. I thought great. <laughs> what am I going to do now? What am I going to do with all this toddy cocktail? And because uh, you can't uh, do in a tasting, there are laws about the amount you can taste. So I can't no. use something I used in the tasting. Okay. Well, back then we had our we didn't sell it, but we had our unaged Tennessee whiskey, our one year and our two year that weren't released. So I came up with that drink with the unaged one year and two year, and added some apple cider, some honey and lemon. And I came up with it pretty quickly. And I thought, well, this will get me through the weekend. People loved it. So, you know, and eventually I finally ran out of the unaged Tennessee whiskey, which was a good thing because there wasn't a lot else we could do with it. Then I finally ran out of the one-year-old, so it was all two-year. And then when we opened, I used our high-right bourbon. Uh, And then about a month ago, we got into our, we released our Tennessee whiskey and our bonded Tennessee whiskey, so I put that in there. But that was more necessity than anything, and the response was so good, I realized I needed to put it on the menu when we opened our bar back up, and I can't. I love changing drinks, but there's several that just I don't feel like I can take them off because they're too popular. Uh, I love I'd love to change the menu every week, and but you know I'm not going to take the drinks that right. people love off if it know. works exactly. Yeah. And that's another when I talked a little in the video about how to make any drink. If you want to make it in large quantities, any cold drink. When you make a single drink, you're typically going to shake it or stir it. What a lot of people don't realize is that's adding water, another ingredient to the drink. So if you're making, you know, 50 of those, you just basically take one recipe, multiply every ingredient by 50, and then I add a half ounce of water per drink. So you would oh, wow. put 25 ounces of water, you don't have to shake it, just put it in a jug, put it in the refrigerator, you know, a few hours later, dump it over ice and you're, or not over ice, and you're good to go. That mimics the shaking process, which is an important part of a cocktail.
2: This was my first time to visit Old Dominic here. Here in downtown Memphis, it won't be my last. You did a fantastic job with Thank those, you. and and that kind of leads to the next thing that I wanted to ask you. And Alex, I want uh, your thoughts on this as well, Drew? I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we wanted to do with this is kind of help people think about cocktail pairings for for whatever they may be eating this Christmas mm-hmm. season. You hear this discussion most often, or at least I do, when it comes to wine. Like, well, what kind of wine pairs well with with roasted duck? <laughs> what if duck's a dark meat? Mm-hmm. Wild duck, wild goose is dark meat. Wild turkey is, uh, is a lighter meat. And there are other kind of wild game birds that are lighter meat. But when you think about dark meat, light meat, Pre meal, post meal cocktails. Is there, are there things to be aware of in terms of pairings and what works well and what doesn't? Same, same way we think about with wine.
1: I think so. And I, you know, I have a background in wine as well. So I, I kind of have the same philosophy. I like contrast when you're pairing. So, you know, if you have a fatty meat, I like some acidity to whether it's a, uh, or astringency, like a bourbon, you know, would go good with a, a meat. Because you've got the fattiness, though the tannins from the oak and the, you know, kind of dry your mouth out. They cut through that fat. It's the same with acidity, like citrus, uh, anything like that. And you know, uh wild game and whiskey is a perfect pairing, you know. Uh wild game tends to be a little leaner than, you know, commercial uh say a a turkey or a duck or anything like that. So you might, you know, an old fashioned, something with a little sweetness, but really that tastes just like, you know, more like whiskey than anything. It's going to go really well with that. And you don't necessarily, maybe if you're cooking a a goose, that's pretty fatty. You want something with a little acidity to it, you know, like the bourbon cider punch, but I've never tried it with goose. Uh, I don't know that I've had goose in many, many years. That's not a (laughs) common thing, but I'm thinking of a fatty wild game. Uh, But yeah, I like contrasts and flavors, things that cut through. Mainly, I think of the fat. Content more than anything, you know. That's what you'll hear a lot about: red wine with meat, white wine with fish. I've never agreed with that uh, because I, I tend to match the weight. Like a good light, acidic red wine with a hearty fish is amazing. You know.
2: So y'all produce a lot of gin, a lot of vodka mm-hmm. here as well. Those are obviously yeah. lighter drinks. Is there? You said you don't necessarily follow the the rule of thumb white wine with lighter meat, Mm -hmm. but what about with those lighter liquors, the gin and vodka? Is there a certain type of meal or is it like a, is that more of a post-meal drink or is there anything like, anything there going on?
4: I I tend to do um, pre-dinner is typically where I do like a vodka. Not not straight. I don't do drink straight vodka, but tend um, to do a vodka not that cocktail. There's anything wrong with that. No, right? no, no, no. Absolutely. I actually, uh, did a dinner once where they did a shot of of just straight vodka with a with an oyster. It was perfect. Yeah.
1: Was it frozen? I hope the vodka.
4: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now why do you say chilled. I
1: hope? Oh, you just think of that with oysters. That's a I okay. I guess a Russian thing. It, I, I don't know. And That's room, room, temer- I think. Yeah. room
4: temperature. Room temperature vodka is not. Yeah. It's not the best, but no. um, yeah, I tend to do the the vodka like pre-dinner drink. Um, I don't, honestly don't even know where that comes from for me. That's just kind of how I've always been. Um, and then I move into whiskey either during the meal or at the very least at the end of the meal. That's always a really nice um, kind of dessert.
2: And y'all have a product here that you, you, I think I heard you saying that you've even used it sort of as a cordial to go on ice cream, kind of after dinner. Which one was that? Do I remember that?
1: I'm assuming the Memphis toddy. The toddy, is that so it? exactly. that, It's fantastic on ice cream. It's a little sweet, a little spice. It's really great in anything. You know, I, one of my favorite cocktails on the menu is our toddy highball, and it's got a lot of citrus and some grapefruit soda with the toddy. And it's great. <laughs> works I've also really heard nice.
4: people reduce it down, and they'll do it for a yeah. glaze on nice. pork. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, and things like that. So it's not just dessert. Yeah, I've actually seen people use it as with their entree.
2: You also have a sort of research and development kind we of uh, or do. I don't want to say arm, but kind of theme that you that you a uh, program maybe is the right way to say that and. Highlight a couple of the the more recent or R and D. I think we might have uh, seen a couple of those this morning.
4: Yeah, we've got a couple R and D products in the the retail shop right now. Um, we've got a barrel rested gin that just came out um, and that kind of stemmed a couple years ago from a, a bad batch of gin. We, we didn't know what we were doing with our system. <laughs> and so it came out as a licorice bomb and we needed to mellow it. And so we put it in a whiskey barrel and let it age. And, a
2: charred whiskey barrel.
4: Yep. Charred whiskey barrel. Um, and it had whiskey in it for a couple years before that. And so it really did. It helped mellow that licorice down um, and just came up with a really great product. And so we've we've recreated that one um, since. We also have done um, a coffee-infused Okay uh, and we, when we do that, we always partner with a local roaster. Try to support other other Memphis businesses. Um, I believe we also have um, some whiskey ones that we've done. Uh, they're not in the retail shop yet, but they'll they'll come out next year.
1: They don't last long. They yeah.
4: do <laughs> not last. We long. Sell we, out in about
1: two weeks. Here would
2: be great Christmas pre- uh, presents for folks.
4: Absolutely, but yeah. So we've got we've got some fun whiskey ones coming out. We like to partner with um, local breweries. Yeah, give them barrels, and then we take oh, the barrels cool. back. Yeah. And put whiskey in it. Yeah.
3: I think I got a bourbon R&D one six months ago or something in
4: Meddlesome. Yep. Yeah. Meddlesome is the one we've done the most with. Um, We've done Hipster Barista, which is a coffee stout. And we put bourbon back in that. Our most popular one, and it will be making a reappearance, um, is all the cookies. Oh, it's amazing. And they do an oatmeal raisin cookie ale. They actually ferment on the raisins. They put vanilla beans in the barrel when the beer's aging in it and we take it back and we put bourbon in it and we end up with an oatmeal raisin cookie bourbon.
1: Okay. And, and Overtones like, of oatmeal raisins, uh, barrel proof. They're always really high proof. Yep. I do a cookie monster cocktail with that drink.
4: <laughs> I've so always
1: good. hated oatmeal cookies because I think somewhere along the way I thought it was a chocolate chip and bit into it and was disappointed. <laughs> yeah. But this drink is actually really good, but it reminds me of an oatmeal cookie. Uh, okay really nice, You like an oat milk syrup and some other things. It's really nice. Uh, but the whiskeys are, oh, they're fantastic. And they sell out really quickly. We'll sell them in our retail shop. It seems like every release we've had, they go quicker and quicker. People see it on social media and they line up on the mm-hmm. day we have it. And we have to limit how much people buy. I usually have it at the bar longer than, you know, and I have a stash of some stuff that's not open, uh, Alex and I have the only keys (laughs) to that. Okay. Yep.
2: The R&D products that we just kind of talked about are only available here in the retail store at your distillery here in downtown Memphis. What's the address?
1: 305 South Front Street. I tell people that are familiar with Memphis, uh, we're right across from Gus's downtown. Almost everyone knows Gus's, so we're right across the street. And
4: if from you don't know Gus's, <laughs> you're welcome. You need
1: to, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's right.
2: Yeah, and, and so I have kind of walked through the retail store. There's lots of great gift ideas in mm-hmm. there if, if folks want to come in for some last minute gifts or or post Christmas gifts. So I think we've gone well beyond what we intended to, but that's not <laughs> unusual. So uh, Chris, any any final thoughts here uh, with with Alex? And no,
3: Andrew? just thank you so much. I mean, this has been a really great experience. I love what y'all do here. I love the flavor profiles you put in out, and I'm just excited for what's in the future.
2: Alex, Drew, thank y'all so much. Hope y'all have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. This will not be the last time you see me.
1: Well, thank Fantastic. you. Thanks for having us. This was great.
2: Yeah. Thanks, y'all. At this time, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to have sort of the closing of our Christmas episode. We'll have uh, some music performed by some of our Ducks Unlimited staff members here. We'll also have some reading of a letter, thank you letter to you, our members and volunteers from some of our staff here. And then to close out, our CEO, Adam Putnam, is going to be providing you with a year-end update holiday greetings from everyone here. Welcome back, everyone. Now it's time to get a little deeper into the Christmas spirit as we bring you a couple of songs performed by our very own staff here at Ducks Unlimited's national headquarters. First will be Here Comes Santa Claus, performed by David Schuessler on vocals and guitar, Craig Lashack on guitar, Joe McLeary on drums, and Chris Isaac on bass. Up next after that is going to be Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, sung by Phil Pooks. We hope you enjoy these songs as much as we have enjoyed producing them. A one,
5: a two, a one.
0: Merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. A merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on Your troubles will be miles away Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more The years will always be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star upon the highest bough a merry little Christmas now.
4: Dear Ducks
1: Unlimited supporter, What can you say to someone who has given so much? Someone who works so hard to make the world a better place for all of us. Thank you doesn't seem like it's enough, but it's a start.
3: Whether you've supported Ducks Unlimited for decades, months, or days, you're part of the DU family. A family that believes we all have a role to play. family that's passionate about getting involved and becoming part of the solution. A family
0: that remains committed to leaving a conservation legacy for our children and our children's children.
1: There's always room at our table for family. And this Christmas, we've reserved the best seat at the head of the table just for you. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate a monumental year for wetlands conservation.
5: And give thanks for the incredible
1: progress we've made for waterfowl, wildlife, and our communities.
4: Every acre that we've conserved is a victory. And together, we've conserved over 15 million acres.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done everything you do and everything you will do to ensure that the Ducks Unlimited family remains true to our conservation roots, our outdoor heritage,
2: and our tradition of preserving and protecting everything we hold dear. And now a special holiday message from our CEO, Adam Putnam.
5: Hey everyone, Adam Putnam, CEO of Ducks Unlimited. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for another record-breaking year for the Ducks. Thanks to you, we continue to make an enormous impact across the landscape and across North America, not just for waterfowl and other wildlife, but for the next generations of people as well. Thanks for all you do and keep it up for the Ducks.
2: Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.